0: When we say Black Lives Matter. Welcome to the Truth to Power Show in Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Vijar Nathan. Um, the Truth to Power Show is a show, a weekly show at Sundays at 11, that puts our weekly guest on a meditation cushion, a proverbial meditation cushion, to speak on various truths and uh, empowerments um, and how truth can empower us. Our special guest today is Sue Knight Deutsch who is the author of The Healing Hand, Five Discussions to Have um, with the Dying Who Are Living, and is an internationally acclaimed speaker. She's an alumni, alumna of the uh, Institute of Jewish Spirituality, uh, ICF credentialed coach, and holds a certificate in positive psychology through the Whole Being Institute. She travels to speak and teach workshops and how to present um, for those who are ill and their uh, families, and grief-resilient workshops based on positive psychology, also as well as certain clients in her coaching practice while she continues to write she can be reached at cantorsue.com welcome sue
1: good morning good morning Vijay. thank morning. you for having me on the show
0: thank you thank you for being here your wonderful presence thank you um so we'll start the conversation off a little bit about your training and uh how you got to be uh and tell us a little bit about how you got to be a cantor and what that what that means because uh, your website again is cantorsue.com so you can tell us a little bit about Kind uh, your training and journey into becoming a cantor. And you can tell the audience a little bit about what a cantor is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a time that I was asked to do one of those surveys, you know, where they have you taste the potato chips and see which one is better.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, they asked me, um, what I did. And I said, I'm a cantor. And we went through this whole process and interview, and I was telling them, you know, the good or the bad or the ugly of this product. And afterwards they came out and they said, it's so wonderful that you said you were a cancer. And I said, (laughs) cancer? Yeah, that's your birth sign. And I was like, no, Cantor, C-A-N-T-O-R. That's a Jewish minister. And they didn't know what it was. And so often um people don't i I don't know if it's my accent my british accent where i say cant cantor and the t sounds like a c but people think i'm talking about my birth sign cantor is a jewish minister who sings the liturgy in the synagogue and it is a a five-year postgraduate training for ordination i know the the catholics have cantors as well but there are more uh, song leaders while the cantor in the synagogue leads the the prayers and the songs they also interchange sometimes with uh with the rabbinic duties rabbis are the ones that do the sermons and uh the interpretation of the law. But there's a crossover between the rabbi's training and the cantor's training, and we need to know both. And uh, that's actually how I ended up becoming a chaplain as well because it it worked very well with my job as uh, the spiritual leader of an assisted living facility. Um, The word uh, in Hebrew for cantor is chazan. And chazan comes from the Hebrew word uh, chazon, which means visionary. And the cantor is a visionary in that they are the conduit between the congregation and the spirit. And so when they sing, they need to put themselves in this place of presence because it's not them singing to God as much as bringing the congregation, being that connector,
0: so Thank that's you. what a cancer is. Thank you. It was very beautiful. And I really appreciated how, you know, you explained it and, and the kind of illustration the the ways in which you illustrated is very beautiful. Um, so now you are motivated to write a book, which is the, um, healing hand. And the book is about five discussions to have dying who are living. Um, tell us a little bit about how that what motivates you to write it and how the process of writing it. Now the book was published five years ago, I believe, but today we're, we're, today we're kind of, in, um, Celebrating the release of the audiobook for people to understand, you know, kind of the are kind of rele- you release the audiobook uh, a little bit well, after the book. We'll get to the audiobook later, but first you tell us a little bit about the writing of the book and then we can say, you know, why, why the, how the audiobook came about as well. Yeah.
1: So thank you. Yes, the, uh, the book came about because I had been a chaplain for 10 years of an assisted assisted living facility. And, um, in, at the end of 2008, my husband was diagnosed with, um, stage four colon cancer. He was 55. And, um, during the process of his dying, um, I learned things in his hospital room, especially during the last week that as a chaplain, I hadn't known for 10 years. I hadn't used these things. That a palliative care doctor came in two days before he died and said, you know, there are some things you should talk to him about before, before you say goodbye. You should, um, have a discussion and thank him, say thank you and ask him to forgive you and, and, talk about forgiveness if there's anything left unsaid and let him know how much you love him. And then you need to, you need to let go. And I thought, you know, okay, we've, we've discussed these things in life, but okay. And then my children who who were young adults in their twenties at the time were going back and forth from the hospital. And they kept saying to me, what are those five things again? And I said, put up your hand. On the thumb is thank you. On the index finger is forgive me. On the middle finger is I forgive you. On the ring finger is I love you. And on the little finger is goodbye. And I use my hand as a mnemonic tool, like a memory tool, for the kids to remember these, what the things they had to say. But then as we got into it, it, we actually went through a process of how do you say some of those things? And I used that model after my husband passed away um, in my chaplaincy. And I would use it with the families. And I would say, you know, there are these kind of things. And I would help uh, facilitate the discussions. And they'd come back to me and they'd say, that was so helpful. Now, remember... I'm a cantor, so I use singing in the hospital. Um, sing, music reaches both sides of the brain. And so I would sing. I would have these discussions. I'd help facilitate. And then um, I was asked by the Cantors Assembly, which is my professional organization, uh, to do a online – not online. It was by telephone in those days – uh, to do a call-in workshop to talk about singing and the use of music in the hospital room. I did that, and the rabbi who was in charge of pastoral care at the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York heard me speak and invited me to come speak at the seminary to rabbis and cantors about the concept of the healing hand. I hadn't, I just called it that at the time because I had my son, I had to give a handout. So I asked my son to, who's an artist to create a hand with those discussions on it. I went to give this talk, which was only 20 minutes at the seminary. And afterwards people were coming up and looking at this, um, the cover which is now the cover of the book, this picture. And they said, this looks like the cover of a book. Where can we get your book? And I stood on the stage and I thought, oh, my goodness, I have to write a book. So I came home to California, which is where I live, and I started to write the book. Um, it took me a while. Um, I, I, had a, I was working with a coach in Portland, Oregon, and she helped bring the book out of me and that's how the book came about.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's such a beautiful story. And uh now five years after the publication you you started you decided to do release the audiobook. So tell us a little bit about how was there was people were asking you or how did that come about that you decided to release the audiobook? What was the circumstances around that?
1: So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I didn't realize that I actually had the concept of the audiobook when I was bringing out, when Bev was bringing out the book, um, the physical book with me. Uh, I looked, you know how Gmail has, you only have a certain amount of space and then you have to start dumping emails. So the other night I was dumping emails and I found the in- an old email where I wrote to her, and I said that um, a family I had just been working with had said how much my voice had helped and how much the discussions had helped and i I originally conceived the audiobook as a cd but that's not uh, cd is is actually going out of style now techno technologically, but I had that concept then the reason that I really brought it about and I started it two years ago was that when I would be in a hospital room with someone, they couldn't hold the book. The person who's sick can't hold a physical book. And they asked me to read the book to them. And there were other people along the way that said, love your voice. Can can you do this in an audio form? So that is how the audio book came about.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Such a beautiful and then now, um, you know, for the listeners to, to understand, you know, the um, the book, um, you know, people don't have to necessarily have someone who's like sick and dying in their life. I think it's preparation more. I kind of read it as preparation more, like preparing and also having these conversations with people who are who are dying who are living currently. So we're all kind of in the state of, you know, we're all kind of preparing for our inevitable demise, or inevitable death, that with birth comes death, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the story, there's one of the stories that come to mind for me is um the Buddha was visited by a person who said, you know, kind of asking them to heal their dying son. And the Buddha said, you know, finding a mustard seed from a house has not experienced loss. And the person actually went around looking and realized that, you know, all these houses that they visited had experienced loss and experienced death and dying. And there's no one who's exempt from that. So... I think it's important for everyone to, um, you know, kind of look over the conversations and read the conversations in this book because it's like it prepares us for the inevitability of, you know, how losing a loved one and 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 preparing beforehand for that. So, you know, I, I think that also I want to clarify about the process of grief and how it differs from, you know, um, the process, the conversation we're having in this book. You know, grief is something that's different. Processing of grief after a loss is different. And you talk a little bit about kind of how. The book distinguishes itself among literature that is similar, you know, and, 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 you were talking a little bit about how you, you receive the teachings in the Jewish tradition. Um, so if you can expand a little bit more on that and then we'll, again, teach finger of the hand. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, I designed the book to be used by someone when they're already in the, um, stages of, of losing a loved one. It's, it's a small book and I wanted it to be the kind of book that you could pick up and get what you need right then without having to read a whole academic tome and a whole discussion. Short pages, short stories that at, at the beginning of each chapter, there is like a how to, like a, a, it's a book of questions, questions that you ask yourself and questions that you ask of your loved one, and the answers are not in the book. The answers are inside you. Mm. It's the questions that are important. And so um, I, I had difficulty in the title because I didn't want it to make it all about dying because these are discussions that hopefully you'll have before you're dying or your loved one is dying. These are all things that matter most in my life. And if you think about it, um, to tell someone gratitude, to tell them thank you, to offer that gratitude, it changes the way you look at your own life when you're grateful for every, every little thing that there is about life because none of us are going to get out alive. So when I called it the dying who are living, What I meant was, yes, use it when you're you're in the process of dying. But in a sense, we're all in that process because we're we're not going to get out alive. But let's live while while we have life. So the, the thank you is expressing the gratitude. And think about how much better our relationships would be if we could forgive each other and not only that when when you're holding a grudge against someone else it poisons you it's not just you know getting in the relationship in in the way of the relationship with someone else and then expressing love you know if we all loved each other there'd be no war and the goodbye is the hardest part it having to let go of things and we let go of things Throughout our lives, that's how transformation happens. And that's why the, when, you, when the book was designed, the cover, I have it coming out of a lotus flower, which is very much associated with transformation. And in Buddhism it, it's often used. Um, but it was incomplete to have those discussions without talking about the grieving process as well. I didn't make the, the grieving chapter, which is at the end, I didn't make it a long one, and throughout the book, I use stories because I think stories are a way of conjuring an image that lands much more than "and you ask this question and you did this and you do that." A story will illustrate exactly um, the message that the storyteller is trying to get across. And then I also included a chapter on self-care. Because very often when someone is dying, the person that's caring for them forgets to care for themselves. And I found that this was something that happened to me. And so I wanted to introduce self-care as a concept for someone who might be reading this book who's losing someone that they love. So those those are the appendages. And I I did say in the grieving chapter, I could write a whole book about grief Mm -hmm. But there are many books that have been written about grief, and right now I do teach uh, workshops and uh, coach clients who are grieving.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, um, you know, as I, as we were talking before the show started, uh, there are many communities that you've connected with that have teach, taught you a lot. And let's go into some, some of the teachers and some of the teachings that have taught you a lot, uh, have brought out, the, brought out, or helped you cultivate. The kind of teachings in this book, because, you know, obviously we come from a lineage. All these teachings come from a lineage. So you go a little bit into your lineage and how um, you're able to discover the, the eternal truths in, these, in this that are expressed in the book. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the two people that wrote the reviews on the back of the print book are Dr. Rick Jarrow and um, Dr. Maria Sirwa. I first met Dr. Maria Sirois when um, I I broke open a year after my husband died, and I needed to get away and go somewhere. And I um, there's a whole story about. I went running in the morning, trying to figure out where should I go. Where I and I looked to the heavens and I said, I don't know where to go. And I had thrown on a shirt when I went running. And it was a shirt that my husband had bought for me about 20 years before from a place called the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California. And I looked down and when just after I asked that question, I looked down and it said Esalen on my shirt. So when I went home, I looked up to see if Esalen was still there. And the very week that I could get away, Maria Sirois was teaching a workshop called um, Water in the Desert, Faith, Hope, and Awe in a Time of Loss. And I booked and I went, and it really was life-changing for me. She introduced me to the principles of positive psychology. And when I left Esalen the following week, I had tools for moving forward. And I realized that I had my resilience already inside me. It had been there all along. And even the fact that I went running and I looked to the heavens, I looked to spirit to say, what do I do? Where do I go? And then there's the sign right on my chest as I'm running. And I loved it so much at Esla, I decided I was going to go back again after the High Holy Days, and I was always scouring their catalog for workshops. And that's when Dr. Rick Jarrow's um, workshop was advertised, was in October of 2010, and it was the Alchemy of Abundance. And I went to... This workshop, and again, it was another life changing workshop, not only being at Esalen, but meeting Dr. Rick Jarrow. he was the meditations were incredible. I really learned how to to go deep into meditation, and I still use his teachings the 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 thing that I remember him saying that I use on a daily basis was go for the win, what's important now, and how to manifest things that you would like to see in your life. And then astrology, which I'd always been interested in. I got my first astrological reading from Rick. And then um, I discovered that he was doing every year um, manifestation gathering at the Ananda Ashram in upstate New York, and I could never go. So, you know, I'm in California, it never seemed to be the right time. And so instead, I would um, send him something to help other people um, who who maybe couldn't afford to go. And then when it came time, I could go, and I've been to um, two or three gatherings now, which is where I met you, Vijay. Mm. Um, And it's so enhanced my life. I've met other people from so many faith traditions. And I have to say that even though I was raised Jewish, I wasn't raised um, always in Jewish homes. I was raised in foster care. So even though my first biological home was a Jewish home, I was then um, put into Christian homes. I spent a short amount of time with a Quaker family and um, and, and then an Orthodox Jewish home. So I feel like I was born to connect with the spirit somehow, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with a particular faith tradition. Jewish tradition is the one that I have chosen for myself. And yet, I, as a cantor, have been on interfaith uh, discussions and meet with interfaith um, councils. So, yes. does that answer your question?
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's very good. Um, so, now this is the Truth of Power Shine, Ready for Brooklyn. We're here with Sunai Deutsch, uh, talking about the Healing Hand, five discussions to have with the dying who are living. Um, you know, we air every, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, many programs on Radio Brooklyn. You can check out, go to radiobrooklynorg slash truth to power. Uh, we're here talking with Sue Deutsch about, um, kind of conversation. We can dive into the hand then. Now we're talking a little bit about how the hand is like a mnemonic device, um, to remember five conversation five important conversations you have in, in, in uh, to have with, the uh, with your loved ones. And we start off with, uh, with gratitude, which is such a important, uh, important aspect of life in general to kind of cultivate gratitude and the difference between, you know, just, I don't know how to express gratitude to the, how to really actualize kind of a grateful life and, and, and actualize that in action as well as in words. So if you talk a little bit about the first, uh, the thumb. Which is thank you. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about each uh, finger for a little bit. Yeah, thank you.
1: Um, so the discussion of thank you, I I already mentioned that gratitude, I think, is, is the basic idea of leading a happier life. If you're grateful for what you have, in every situation, you can find something good, even if it just means that, you saw a butterfly come across your path today, but in this particular instance, if you have someone who's dying, what if you don't know how to say thank you? What if um, that person harmed you? How do you say thank you to them? How do you how do you reach that? heart of gratitude. What can you find even in a turbulent relationship to say thank you for? Um, so the questions that come up in in the book is, you know, consider what are the ordinary moments in your loved one's life that stand out now as extraordinary, and um, what what did your person do for other people or for you or um, how have they made you feel? Maya Angelou often says you people remember, um, not what you said, but how you made them feel. And so this is really about how you feel and how you can help the other person to feel your gratitude. So those are that's what the questions are and different ways. How have they inspired you? ask yourself the question and then you'll find the gratitude
0: yeah i mean so many times we in relationships we you know have these expectations and and we always focused on how people fall short of our expectations instead of really showing gratitude from the ground up of what they're providing us and and what in the ways in which um their kindness you know a lot of times in certain teachings they feel like you know um everything is a kindness and looking at everything as a kindness because we think about motivation we think about you know, what is the motivation of the of the person who's selling a bagel to us, for example, you know, is their motivation is to buy, get money in and, and, and survive. But we can also view it as since we don't know, we can't look into their mind. We don't know what their real motivation is. We can look at a simply an act of kindness and, and really appreciate that, you know, we're kind of in a position where we're helpless without the kindness of others. You know, everything, everything about everything about our situation from, you know, where we learn our language to you know, the clothes we're wearing are provided by the kindness of others. So I definitely agree that, you know, we have to really be grateful and, and cultivate that attitude of, of, of compassion. And
1: absolutely, compassion. absolutely. In fact, as you were talking about kindness, I was thinking of the first line of a blog that I wrote last year. Um, and I, I began, kindness is the first thing I discovered when I was hospitalized with coronavirus. -hmm. So I, I, I was sick with coronavirus last year. And, um, overarchingly, what I, what I received was kindness from the people that helped me in the hospital, from the care of my neighbors that I live on my own and they would drop food on the front door step for me. And I was looking for, for, the good in everything that that's what I discovered I didn't want to focus on the fact that I couldn't breathe, and at one point I thought I wasn't going to make it through the night what 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 comes across for me is because i i'm I look so much for for the good is that kindness just I was able to receive it you know sometimes you can be kind to someone and they 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 don't notice it so. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Say, saying thank you and having um, an attitude of gratitude yeah. is so important. And it's um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now let's continue. So now uh, we have like forgiveness. Forgiveness is another big topic. The first index finger is forgiving me, which is it involves a lot of humility. You know, I think it involves a lot of humility and being able to say that I could have wronged someone. And um a lot of times, you know, we think about that in terms of like, you know, a lot of times some people have the mistaken idea that they have to like have the person say, I forgive you. But, you know, we have to at least receive that forgiveness in a way that, you know, if the person has passed on or if it's not communicating with us, that we have to, you know, forgive ourselves almost, it feels like, you know, um uh being able to kind of make, the, if we can make that reconciliation with the person, then it's ideal. But, you know, talking a little bit about how, Receiving forgiveness is also kind of like an internal process that you know that we need to kind of like it's a both a dual process of reconciliation with the person as well as letting go of our kind of forgiving ourselves, so I think that that's my take or that's my understanding of what I read from the the book, but yeah. I'll let you explain a little bit more about forgiving me, and i um please forgive me that the index finger, yeah,
1: yeah, so please forgive me. Very often, something that you may have done or said, you may loom large in your mind, and the other person doesn't even realize that there was anything that something was done that was wrong. So, uh, when someone is dying, you ask for forgiveness for things, and very often they'll go, what i i never i never even thought of it and so it helps for you to be forgiven so that after the person is gone you're not holding that uh poison inside that oh my god i i didn't i did this and i hope they forgave me it 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 clears the slate of regret um there will still be regrets. There are always regrets, but it helps to absolve any wrongdoing. And it might not always happen. In, I know there've been so many times in a hospital room where someone asks the person who's dying, you know, "Forgive me, I did la la la, whatever it is I did," and the person is like, "I, I don't, I don't recall that," but of course. And that's where the love comes in as well. The, the problem sometimes comes in if uh, I had a case of uh, a family where the father was dying and he had been abusive. And to for the children to forgive him was very, very difficult. It didn't end up happening, but they did express the underlying love and the gratitude came in and that the way he treated them changed the way that they treated their own children. So in a sense, they had learned from his negative behavior how not to be that way in the world. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like um, we receive a teaching from people even when, yeah we least expect it, like just understanding like, you know, we kind of could with humility, understanding how we can kind of learn something and not being so like rigid about, you know, um what we expect from people or the kind of what we feel entitled to expect from people, but rather understanding what we can learn from them. And then like uh that in that regard, you know, and then kind of continuing that thought is like releasing our own grudges, our own kind of pettiness. Uh, You know, a lot of times it's it's easy to, um and they're very much interrelated, like forgiving yourself and forgiving others. Uh and the middle finger is I forgive you, which is as you're saying in the book, a lot of times, you know, seen as like a, a rude gesture, the middle finger, but this this time we're inverting it in a sense of like allowing it to be a releasing of that rudeness, a releasing of that curse so that sometimes the, the middle finger can be associated with. And it's a propos that I forgive you becomes the middle finger. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Actually, you know I specifically chose the left hand over the right hand mm. um, when I was putting the, the the book together and I was discussing the artwork with my son um, because the, the main reason was because um, it used to be considered that the ring finger of the left hand was considered connected to the heart. And if I'd done it on the right hand, and people read from left to right, mm. then the first finger would have had to be, the little finger would have been, thank you, and the forgive me would have been on the ring finger. Mm. So I specifically chose the left, left, and I think there are also some traditions where the left and the right um, mean different things that, of the body, yeah. and also um, if you there's a part where I talk about angels in the book and which angel is on the right and left and which direction. And I know that Rick also had uh, a thing of directions of the compass. He had us walk directions. So um there's a whole lot of symbolism, spiritual symbolism in the book. And yet it's not just for people who believe in, in a spirit. It's also, um, for people who are atheists, because these are things that matter mm. in, in life and death. But I cannot write from, it would be inauthentic of me not to at least uh, state where I am coming from. So that's in the beginning of the book I talk about where I'm coming from as far spiritually. But um, forgiveness, I write a whole thing about where, how do you begin? Yeah. How do you even begin to to ask for forgiveness and to forgive yourself? And yeah, I was going to add,
0: add something really quickly to that. Is for forgiveness to happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. I was going to quickly add something about what you were saying about the the kind of way in which we live in a society and the ways in which all these institutions and religious traditions and spiritual traditions have influenced the environment in which we live in. It's like even if we ourselves not identify as spiritual or religious, we identify as scientific humanist or, or atheist or whatever it is. Um, you know, we live in a society and an environment which has been highly impacted by all these traditions that are last thousands of years. So we have to acknowledge that we're just implicitly receiving these messaging and we're kind of understanding that, you know, the directions and and we have just we're just encoded with that. Understanding of the directions and it's impl- it's kind of really subtly encoded in us. So I think I agree with you to say that you know um, while the book may be coming from an authentic place of the Jewish spiritual tradition, it's something that we can kind of understand that we're all impacted by these these directionals, and we, we're kind of receiving the messaging when we look at the hand, a uh, look at the cover, we receive the messaging of that that's hidden in it, the symbolism of it. So I think yeah. I agree with that what you were saying. So you were continuing about. Forgiveness, so we can continue with that. Yeah.
1: So, so, so the two things have to happen for forgiveness to happen is remorse. You have to express remorse, and you and um, you have to have a an idea that it won't happen again.
0: Yeah, it's so hard. It's hard. It's like a lot of humility to. Uh, And I mean, mindfulness also comes into play that the idea that we're, we're always looking after our actions and understanding the impact that our actions have on others. So that then we're kind of being mindful, we're kind of being aware, we're raising our awareness. So a lot of, um, you know, we can't be lazy about that. You know, we have to be, uh, you know, we can't be, uh, kind of sluggish about that. We have to kind of be active and, and be involved in the process of our life. So that then we're like, you know, taking responsibility. You know, a lot of people want to take, want to alleviate that responsibility and, and that, and all, all these conversations we're having around love, around forgiveness, around grief, around that, gratitude, um, are very much interconnected. And sometimes we flow into, you know, when we, when we have trouble with forgiveness, we may flow into gratitude. If we have trouble with gratitude, we may flow into like, you know, um, the loving, a loving kindness. So, you know, I understand that for organizational purposes, we have to divide these into different categories, but very much they each support each other. They like the hand, like the palm of the hand, connecting them uh, so that then we can, um, we kind of flow into each other. because if we're having trouble with letting go of grudges. Then we have to realize that this person's given us so much and, you know, we want to expect the same in return, all these kinds of things. So, yeah, and then you were talking a little bit about the ring finger being connected to the heart and being the loving finger, the I love you finger, and how it connects to the heart it flows into the heart. So, that, you know, we kind of understand it's also the, where the wedding, wedding ring is put on. It's connected to the, um, to love and, 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 uh, loving kindness. Um, so if you talk a little bit about kind of how we can bring into the space, especially with people who are dying, the kind of remembrance of I love you. So we're always remembering and bringing the mind that there's a love there and that, um, we're, we're bringing that love into, you know, it's a word that sometimes is used and, we need to experience that love when we're when we're connecting with someone,
1: right, right, exactly,
0: yeah. yeah, so yeah, so talking a little bit about I love you, like I know in the book you uh you go into little more explicitly about how to bring that into the space, so um, yeah, if we could go into that
1: so um one of the things that was actually that, that I've counted quite a lot. especially in a hospital room, is you walk into the hospital room and the person that you know and love is laying there with all these tubes and stuff coming out. And it can be very scary. And it's hard to say I love you when the person that you're looking at doesn't look like the person that you love. And in that instance, it's good to close your eyes and remember, bring up an image of what that person looks like that you remember. And then you're able to access the love. Rather, you know, it's very powerful the images. Sometimes um, I had it once when I was teaching a meditation and I asked, uh, it was a group for p- a group of people who were grieving, and I asked them to close their eyes and I was bringing up, guiding them with different images. And I didn't know at the time that when um, people who have experienced great trauma, sometimes when they close their eyes, the trauma comes up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's very important to ask um, to lower your gaze or if you want to close your eyes, you know. Um, In the same sense, when you're looking at something that's traumatic – and you want to uh, conjure up good feelings to close your eyes and and bring up the good the good images so that you can say you love you love the person and to 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 just connect and access the feeling of the time when your loved one was healthy and then think of all the experiences you've had the relationships that you've had and um express that sometimes you know just looking at old photographs can help especially when someone's sick if i brought photographs uh photograph albums into the hospital and went through them with my husband so that he could see see that this is the life he lived and this is the impact he had and it bring it's a great memory tool
0: yeah and then also i would i connect with the the teaching of remembering the, you know, as you were saying before, with the kindness of others, and and also with the the um the idea of um you know every, every, in Buddhism they talk about like every living being was your your kind mother in a in a previous life. That the idea that you know um we we've lived countless lives in the past and we'll live countless lives in the future, and that all these lives, all these all these kind of states of being had a mother that created us. So we have to remember that all these mother mother beings are all the people. It's just a meditation to remind us that all the people we encounter could have had the potentiality of being an intimate relationship. So uh, in, the, in that meditation, we're thinking about how they could have been our mother in a previous life. But also we can think about how we could have had intimate relationships with everyone we meet. And then we're kind of calling up that remembrance so that then when we also it kind of helps in the actual relationship that, uh, that we have with our relatives and loved ones. That we have these this kind of whole history that they've they've helped us, they've provided for us in in some way, they've done something for us, and and even if even if they haven't, even if we kind of assess that oh they haven't done anything for us, you know we have to remember that in the past in the previous lives they've done things for us, and we've we're in the receiver a recipient of their kindness. Um, so I think that's where we we kind of really tap into as a meditation to really tap into that loving kindness, so that then. We can remember the kindness of others. And, and even in the in the book, you talk about angels, and I want to get into that as well, and how like these meditations or these visualizations can help us with love. So uh, in my in my, in my my kind of understanding, the, the love and kindness of the mother, it comes into play, but it, you bring up the meditation of angels as being a way to tap into that love. So if you talk a little bit about angels and how that can kind of play into this, yeah. So um, I was
1: speaking about angels when I, I would. Count in the book about how uh, when I was a child, my first home, my uncle, my father died when I was six months old. So I was raised in the first few years by my uncle, and he was a cantor like I am now. And he used to sing to me at night, and he would sing the angel's blessing. I would be afraid of the dark, and he would – there's a particular Hebrew prayer that says – But Michael is on the angel. Michael is on the right, and the angel, great Gabriel is on the left. And in front of you is Uriel, and behind you is Raphael. Well, I think it's Raphael's on the left. Excuse me. So, um, I would imagine a a whole tent above me and an angel on each side, and then the presence of, um, the Holy One, the presence of God in, in, um, Judaism, there's something called Shekhinah, which is the female presence of God. There's many presences of God. Um, but the female presence of God is the protector over the tent. And I would feel safe from these angels. And then as I've gone on in my life, in fact, I was just having, um, a conversation. I've been taking a spiritual memoir class with Joan Borisenko and um, she has a diagram of these angels with north and west, and uh, it reminded me of Rick's diagram of of um, the points on the compass. and um, i I believe very much that there are angels that guide us uh, what what is it? Some people might call call that feeling intuition or um, other, that that's part of you, that energy inside you, mm. that how did you know to brake just before the car came in front of you, mm. you know? How did I know when my birth mother passed away two years ago, I woke up from a dream hearing her voice, and I listened to it and I got on a plane to England the next day and I thought I was a little crazy because she wasn't more sick than she had normally been. So um, I believe very much that we have guides that help us and there's different kinds of angels. I haven't really learned all about them yet. Yeah. I, I've learned from different traditions. But I, I go back to that, that prayer of, Having these four particular angels, each one of them has a name, that um, that protect me. I think perhaps uh, that day that I was running down the street and I looked down at Esalen, that that was to an angel. And in uh, in Jewish literature, we uh, there's a part in the liturgy. There's a part of the service where um, we talk. About we sing about holiness, and we talk about the chorus of angels around God's throne. And when we say this prayer, we're standing with our legs together because there's an idea that angels have one foot. And so um we become like the angels. And when we talk about holiness, we lift our heels um to ascend upwards so we kind of go up and down on each word of holy so um it's not that i live my life running around saying oh i have an angel here and there but um it's something that's always present
0: yeah and uh, And it's
1: very it's very helpful um in a hospital room if somebody has uh, a faith tradition i you know you have to be careful you need to know um, the person's the person's faith or belief hmm. so you don't impose your own on them yeah has to be about what what they believe not what you believe
0: yeah and also it's unfortunate that you know people kind of close their mind to it but at the same time we all kind of we can all kind of tap into the, the power of the mind Uh, the imagination and the power of our, there's a whole current that runs through our bodies. I think that the, uh, these channels and winds and, and drops, these kind of thing we can, we can tap, tap, tap into so that then we can experience the kind of uplifting energy that many people have tapped into when they visualize these kinds of things. So even if the form of the angel doesn't come to us, we have to be able to tap into the energy source within our minds so that then we can become uplifted. We can kind of feel. The power of the angel, whether it be whether it manifests to us as an angel, whether it manifests to us as the higher power or intuition or whatever, however form it, whatever form it comes in. Um, the point is to to get that experience. That is a human experience, I believe. You know, it's kind of part, and we and we all kind of experience it for ourselves when we when we open our mind to the possibility that you know we're not kind of tight about it, but when we um kind of release the energy and kind of open ourselves to. Surrender to that energy that it all flows through us that we all have experiences of being in the zone and, and being like uplifted and feeling powerful and all this kind of thing. And, 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 and in those last moments when we're kind of dying, when we're having a, an experience with death, then th- that's when we have to kick in or tap into those energies so that then we can, you know, kind of overcome the kind of possible, um, negative process that could happen. You don't want to kind of, Leave, leave this life with a with a um you know with the with the negative process we want to kind of really uplift people and uplift that process and I think that releasing and the final pinky finger of, of goodbye is kind of that releasing energy and being able to you know being able to have that combination of like you know that we all, with all with all meetings come partings and being able to finally reach that point where we can uh be clear minded and clear sighted when we release that that goodbye. So we talk a little bit about goodbyes, and then, uh, but and then we'll close up. I have a few announcements actually to make at the end, so we'll give a few more minutes to a few minutes to this, and then we we'll go to that. Okay. End. Well,
1: I, I just wanted to to add to that that when people are in their last moments, very often they see people welcoming welcoming them, mm. um, helping them to to pass. Um, whether that is a brain thing or a spirit thing, um, there are still discussions on that, but I've seen it so often i I was um, at at the bedside of a 26-year-old who was passing, and she saw a grandmother that she'd never met. And I found out it was the grandmother by talking to her family later. So um, there are so many stories of of that happening. But um, I know we're coming to the end of the time yeah. pretty soon. And I in- I deliberately put angels in the I love you chapter. Mm. And then the goodbye chapter is is really how to let go um, we, we, we don't have time to talk about all that today, oh, okay. but I do talk about it in the book and I narrated the book myself because I was told that, um, I have a soothing voice. And so I wanted, I wanted it to be in my accent, in my voice. Yeah. And
0: uh, so-, so tell us a little bit about where we can get the audiobook and where can all this to be purchased. You can find on, I guess you can give your website again and, um, where people can reach you if they have questions or if you're open to feedback or talk back from, from listeners or from readers, all this kind of stuff. And um, tell us a little bit about, just give us an overview of your web presence. Yeah.
1: So my, my website is Cantor c a n t o r s u e C A N T O R S U E.com. And it has all the links to, um, either purchase the book through me. If you want a, a signed copy, then let me know when you when you purchase the, the print book. The audio book, it has all the links to Amazon, Audible, and iTunes on the website, or you can go to their uh, website yourself. It's cantorsue.com. um And I, I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to hearing what you think about the book itself, and particularly the, the audio book. I'm uh, I'm really excited that that has come to be. It took two years between between the pandemic and the studio moving. It took two years to produce. So, thank you very much for having me on the show.
0: Thank Enjoy. you. So you're listening to Radio for Brooklyn, Independent Listener Supported Radio. This is the Truth to Power Show. Your support keeps us going. So, friends, COVID nineteen is scrubbing it's still disrupting everyone's lives, although we're starting to get back into the studio. I'm, I'm broadcasting in the studio right now. For a little while, we were streaming from home. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure health and wellness of our staff, hosts, and, and community at large. So this has had a repercussion over the past year that we've lost a lot of our revenue stream. So we realize you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, you are a long way to helping us stay on the air. The three ways you can help. First, you can give a one-time donation, a monthly pledge. I go to ravebrookan.org slash donate. They can find great shirts, mugs, and other swag that we'd like to send you to say thanks. You can also phone or text RFB123 to 44321. Um, says RFB123 to 44321. It only takes a moment to be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you shop on Amazon, you can go to amazon.com slash smile and register. Um, register Radio as a nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to RFB and cost you nothing. No addition is too big or too small, but if you can afford, will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish you all our listeners health and happiness as we weather the storm together. Um, also, if you're listening to RFB when you're not, when you're in front of your computer and you want to free yourself up, consider downloading our free mobile apps or iPhone or Android available in the App Store for iPhone or Android or Google Play Store for Android. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter, the latest news about new programming, upcoming RFB events. You can sign up already for slash newsletter. Okay. So thanks so much. Um, we have about a few more minutes. So if you want to give any final thoughts to the audience and then we'll, maybe we'll end with a song. I, maybe I can pull up a song to, to end with. Um, uh, or we can, we can end a little bit early, but, um, tell us a little bit, about any final thoughts you have?
1: So one thing when we were talking about gratitude that, um, my teacher, Dr. Maria Siroa, teaches is to ask, what was the best point of your day? What was the best part of your day? And when I teach, I teach Bar Mitzvah children, and I always ask them, what was the best part of your day or what's going well? And what happens is they know I'm going to ask them the question, and all week long they're looking for what's going well. And that is is a really helpful thing to ask yourself especially as we go through this pandemic and we don't know sometimes we have bad days what's going well what was the best part of my day so that that's the kind of thought that I'd like to um, to leave you with and uh, if you want a song we can do a meta meditation
0: yeah that'd be great
1: so this is um, a meta meditation it's a call and response so I'm going to ask you to sing as well as me I will sing and I will ask you to repeat it and it's first I want you to think of of your own well-being and I'm going to sing and then I'll ask you to to sing back to me May I be safe
0: May I be safe
1: May I be happy
0: May I be happy
1: May my body be strong
0: May my body be strong.
1: May my life unfold with ease.
0: May my life unfold with ease.
1: Now think of someone that you want to send this kind of energy to. And may you be safe.
0: May you be safe.
1: May you be happy.
0: May you be happy.
1: May your body be strong.
0: May your body be strong.
1: May your life unfold with ease.
0: May your life unfold with ease.
1: Now take these thoughts, these feelings, this metta means loving kindness. Take this loving kindness and think of it, send it out to the whole world. The whole world needs this. May we be safe.
0: May we be safe.
1: May we be happy.
0: May we be happy.
1: May our bodies be strong.
0: May our bodies be strong.
1: May our lives unfold with ease.
0: May our lives unfold with ease.
1: That's it. Love and
0: kindness. Thank you. Thank you. So this is the Truth to Power show. You can find out more about us at, uh, radiofootland.org Truth to Power. Um, you can go to, uh, vjrnathan.com to find out more about my own, uh, projects, including Nine Cloud Journal, which issue two was just released. Um, this week or this coming week, uh, May 31st was the, um, release of issue two of Nine Cloud Journal. So go to ninecloudjournal.org or vjrnathan.com, uh, to find out more. There's some links to the, uh, um, P- the small gallery PDF as well as on Amazon. It's, it was released through Amazon KDP. So you can find out more about that through Googling. So thanks so much, Sue. And uh, once again, um, Sue Deutsch was writer of The Healing Hand, Father, to to have the Dying Who Are Living. Um, and you can find out more at com. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Thank you.